Amen. 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 You can be seated. Amen. You got your Bibles? Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 3 this morning. Acts chapter 3 in your Bibles this morning. Uh, and as you're turning there, uh, just uh, uh, we finished up uh, a sermon series. We finished up looking at the church, the structure of the church. We kind of hit the high points. We didn't go too in-depth. A couple places maybe we did, but just tried to lay that foundation for what a church looks like or how a church can operate and how there are some differences, but the things we have in common, like loving one another, that's common to any church. Denomination doesn't have, uh, doesn't hold the rights to love one another. If you're a Christian, we're supposed to love one another, lead one another, lift one another. We talked about that. All the one another passages talk about how do we love the world. The key is to see the person, not the possessions. To see the sinner who's enslaved to sin, hate the sin, love the sinner. And we talked about that. And so as we serve in the church, whatever capacity we're in, whether we're, and, and I'll do the quotation thing, whether you're just a church member, amen. And we've already said there's no such thing as just a church member, amen. Uh, we are all important to the body of Christ. But whether you're a, uh, uh, whether you serve on a committee or you're an elder or you serve in a position of leadership, doesn't matter as a part of the body of Christ. Uh, we are important. God uses us for his glory and for his honor. Amen. So with that in mind, what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks is you continue to pray for the search committee. We've prayed for them. We did 40 days of praying for the search committee. Again, you can continue to go back, keep using that, keep praying. For, don't stop praying for your search committee. Amen. Uh, so how long is it going to be, pastors? I don't know. Uh, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. I don't know. It's in God's hands. Search committee's doing their job. They're going to give you a report next week. We're just going to trust the Lord. That's what we're going to do. Amen. You didn't sound that, you didn't say like, you, I don't think you believe that. We're going to trust the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right, okay, I almost believe you that time. Okay, so with that in mind, what we're going to do on Sunday mornings is we're just going to, we're just going to kind of let the Holy Spirit lead us. Don't have a sermon series. We're just going to uh, kind of go from week to week and kind of hit some of those high points of the Bible, some of those stories in the Bible that maybe we've forgotten, some things that just kind of remind us of the simplicity and the, the beauty of being a child of God and serving in the body of Christ. So with that in mind, I want to go to Acts chapter 3. Now, I thought about doing Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2 and kind of leading into this, but we covered some of that in previous sermons and during the transitional process, and I said, you know, just talking to the Lord, I just felt like, you know, the Spirit's saying we don't need to go back there again. Uh, I was in one church where I preached from Acts chapter 2 probably way more than I needed to, and so now I'm just a little conscious of not doing that again, but, but you can go back and read Acts chapter 1, chapter 2, but I'm going to give you this just by way of introduction, then we're going to jump into Acts chapter 3. All right, so... In Acts chapter 1, there's a crucial statement that's made at the very beginning of Acts chapter 1. I'm going to turn there and go back and read it on your own. But it says, when Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he writes and he says, the former treatise that I wrote to you, Theophilus, the last letter that I wrote to you, that was the gospel of Luke, I wrote to you about everything that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So now he's writing the book of Acts, and in the book of Acts, it's what Jesus continues to do and continues to teach. In his absence through the church. Amen? So it's important that you and I understand that the book of Acts was not a book that's written to tell us just what those early disciples did and then that's it. But the book of Acts, what started in the book of Acts or what continued in the book of Acts, better way of saying it, should be continuing to this very day. Amen? So everything that Jesus began... And then when he ascended up into heaven and the Holy Spirit came in power upon his church and the book of Acts started what should be continuing today. Put it to you this way. There are, I think there are 20, I forgot how many chapters there are, 22 chapters in the book of Acts. So really, the reality is the book of Acts hasn't really ended. 
we haven't seen the chapters that God has been adding to the book of Acts for 2,000 years. Amen? See, somewhere in the book of Acts, there's you, there's me. There's First Baptist Church of Mableton. We're in there somewhere. We just, we just haven't seen the finished written story of that yet. Amen? So with that in mind, Acts chapter 3. Uh, the Holy Spirit has come, the day of Pentecost, power fell, people were saved, the church is on the move, and we turn to Acts chapter 3, and uh, the disciples are going forward now, the power of the Spirit, they're going to begin preaching the gospel, they're going to continue to do what Jesus began to do and teach, and uh, they're going to do some things, some very miraculous things, and they're going to be met with the same opposition that Jesus was met, still amazes me to this day. When I read the Bible, some of the things that just makes me scratch my head, is how repeatedly throughout Scripture, throughout the Gospels and the book of Acts, you can have a man who is blind and somebody, that Jesus or one of the disciples opens his eyes so that man can now see and there were people who had a problem with that. That a man who couldn't walk, Jesus now makes him walk or the disciples now make him walk and somebody had a problem with that. Or even more so, Jesus goes up to a grave and says, Lazarus, come forth, calls the man out of the grave, and there are people who still wanted to argue with Jesus about that. Beloved, I don't know about you, but I might argue with a lot of people, but I'm not going to argue with anybody that has the power to call somebody out of the grave. I mean, if they can call you out, they can probably put you in. No, beloved, the reality is, even today we wrestle with this. Because our minds, we just can't wrap our minds around the power of God. And, and we're going to look at that. So right, in, right after everything's happened in Acts chapter 1, chapter 2, here are the disciples. They're going to work. And we're going to see what happens. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read all the way down to verse 18, then we'll go back and look at this. It says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, and notice that, he fastened his eyes upon him. And he said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. You just, just, this is like when you're walking down the street in Atlanta or anywhere else and you see that person that's clearly not as blessed as we are, as we define blessing. And you see that homeless person or you see that handicapped person and, we, and instead of making eye contact with them, maybe, maybe we'll nod, but in, our, in the midst of our uncomfortableness, we kind of go our way. But you'll notice Peter, they stop. They make eye contact with this man and tells him, make you look at us. We're looking at you, look at us. And he says, okay, I'm, I'm going to get something from him. And then in verse 6, Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and I noticed that, and lifted him up. Well, what, what are you going to do with a man who's never walked a day in his life? Tell him, get up and walk. And as if he's going to suddenly know how. Notice the importance of the fact that, that Peter actually reached down and said, I've told you to do something, but now let me, I'm going to take him by the hand and I'm going to help him do what I've just told him to do in the power of Jesus. Don't miss that. See, not, he, not only, he not only, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Verse 7, 
And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it, he, it was he who sat at alms, uh, for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, All the people ran together into them, into the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, and he said, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us, as though we by our own power or holiness, we have made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just, and you desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and you killed the Prince of Life, whom God has raised up from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I I would that you understand that through ignorance you did this, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. Now, we won't finish chapter 3, but in the rest of that he preaches a little more, and then in chapter 4 you find that conflict. Here's, Here's the thing. Everything was sort of okay when he healed the lame man. Everybody marveled at that. But then Peter said, Peter very importantly said, you've just witnessed a miracle here, but here's what you need to understand. The very one by whose power and authority this miracle is performed is the one that you've already rejected. Now, I I think they were probably okay with maybe they could have survived him him helping this lame man to walk. But it's funny how when you start preaching, all of a sudden everything changes. Amen? You know, like the old preacher said, it's like the old pastor said, am I still preaching or am I meddling? (laughs) Amen? And so here he just begins to tell them that what you've just seen here, and this is what Peter wants them to understand, this is what Jesus came to do, and far more than this. And if you miss the power by which we've done this, you'll miss the whole reason behind this even being possible. Amen. So with that in mind, there's a lot here, so we're going to break it down, we're going to look at this, and and, and we're going to look at a couple things. We're going to look at two things with a couple things. The first thing we're going to look at, the miracle, then we're going to look at the message. So we're going to look at the miracle first, and as we look at the miracle, we want to think about three things about this miracle. First thing I want you to do is consider this lame man. Consider this man, it says he was lame, in verse 2, he was lame from his mother's womb, all right? So three things about that. Number one, he was lame from his mother's womb. That speaks of his deadness. See, he didn't have an injury that caused him to be unable to walk. He was born unable to walk. He was born unable to stand on his own two feet. He was born in a condition where he could not stand before and in the presence of other men, let alone stand before the presence of God. Because we're going to see something very important in a minute here. Uh, After they heal him, they're going to go into the temple. Why is he going to go into the temple after he's healed? Because it was written, it was in the law, that a a sick man, that a crippled man, could only go so far into the temple. You could go to the gates of the temple, but you couldn't get into the temple if your body was broken in some way. Only those who were made whole could go into the temple. Now here's the catch to that. The problem with this day is that people had fixed their eyes on the external 
situation of a man, the external circumstances of a man, so they could see if there was something physically wrong with him and say, well, you're, you're lame or you're blind or you're sick. You can't go into the temple. But the same ones who then walked into the door of that temple and went inside the temple could not see the lameness in their own heart and the fact that they were broken on the inside. Amen? So that's the biggest problem this world has. It's not what's wrong on the outside. It's what's wrong on the inside. Well, Tony Evans has said it. I've preached it. Other preachers preach it through the year. God does not look at the color of a man's skin. He looks at the condition of a man's heart. Brokenness doesn't have anything to do with what's on the outside of us. It has everything to do with what's on the inside of us. It's called sin. And this man was born lame from his mother's womb. And may I say to you that every person who's ever lived, that every one of us, we were born unable to walk before God. We needed a miracle. Not only his deadness, but number two, they carried him daily to the gates of the temple. Notice his dependence. His dependence. As I said, diseased people weren't allowed into the temple, only those who were healthy. And so uh, he was dependent upon even getting to the temple. He needed somebody to carry him to the gates before he could even be qualified to go in. And then as he sat outside the gate, he needed a miracle. And, and we're going to see, and I'll go and give you the third thing, not only his deadness and his dependence, but his desire. He, he just wanted alms. He sat there day, I can't walk, I can't work for a living, I'm, I'm very limited. And so he looked for what was expected in that day as the people were taught that when someone less fortunate than you had a need that you would minister to them, that you would provide for them somehow, give an offering of some sort. Not only were individuals supposed to take care of other individuals, but the, the church, the temple, the nation of Israel, the priests were responsible for taking care of individuals. I want you to understand the absolute horror at the thought of a man sitting outside the gate of the very place that is supposed to be taking care of him, while the very leaders inside are either unaware or unconcerned about the man who's sitting outside the gate. You have to wonder how many times as they walked through did they give him an alms and how many times as they walked through did they think, boy, if only there were something I could do to make this man able to walk. And so when Peter and James come up to him, they look and they fasten their eyes upon him. They tell him to look upon us. So this man was dead and he was dependent. He needed someone to carry him to the gate of the temple and he had a desire and ultimately his desire was for alms. But really, can I say this, beloved? Maybe his desire was just to be noticed. Maybe his desire was to be for people to realize that, yes, I may be lame, I may be unable to walk, and as I'm sitting outside the gate of this temple, I just want you to notice me because I am still a human being made in the image of God even though I am, my body is broken. Amen? And so his great desire was, was, was for an alms and, and just to be noticed, but really, really, without ever expressing it in the text here, and, and, and clearly he had a desire because what's going to happen in a moment, at some point, do you, do you think he was sitting, do you think he heard the stories about Jesus? Do you wonder why he never encountered him? Do you wonder why he couldn't, why Jesus never came across his path? And here he is outside the gate of the temple thinking, boy, you know, I'd love, I'd love to, for somebody to care for me and, and give me just a little bit to help provide for me. I would love for somebody to notice me that even though my, my legs don't work right, that I'm broken, I'm still a human being. And maybe, just maybe, somebody one day will come by with the power to help me to be able to do something I've never been able to do before. And that is to stand up and walk. So that's the lame man. But then look at verse 4 through 6. And let's look at the Lord's men. So you have the lame man, but then you have the Lord's men. And this is important. I don't want us to miss this. There was something going on inside the temple that the rulers of that day were powerless to do about anything for the man who was sitting outside the gates of the temple. 
something had to change in the climate of, of the religious climate of that day. Something had to change in the nature of the temple and in those people's lives. And so the Lord's men show up in verse 4. They fasten their eyes and look upon us. He gave heed to them, expecting to receive something of them. And I love the statement, silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have, I give you. So I want you to notice two things about the Lord's men. Number one, they gazed. They made eye contact with him. Beloved, you want to know how you and I are going to make a difference in this world as the children of God? We've got to make eye contact. We've got to make eye, to eye contact with people who aren't like us. We've got to make eye contact with people who make us uncomfortable. We've got to make eye contact. We've got to see people the way Jesus sees people. We have to fix our gaze upon a broken world and not turn our heads from it. Not walk past them every day. And, and, and the reality is, when we came to church this morning, there was nobody outside the doors of the church sitting out there lame. No. But how many cars, how many people did we drive past? How many businesses, how many people out there, outside the church right now, who are lame and don't even know it? How many times have we fixed our eyes upon that person that we know Christ died for them, even though it makes us uncomfortable because maybe they look different or smell different. How many times have we been made uncomfortable by someone either standing outside the doors of the church or even walking in and sitting in a pew and we weren't sure what to do and it made us uncomfortable and we're the ones that are supposed to be healthy and whole and we're the ones that are struggling. Now if we learn a lesson here from Peter and James is they made eye contact with that person in need. And they said, We're look, you look, look at me, look, make eye contact with me. I don't know about you, but now more than ever, with all the masks and everything, it's all about eye contact, amen? I mean, you, 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 know, you want to you look in somebody's eyes. And I'm, I'm talking to, and, and here's what I do, this is what I do now. First of all, when you're married, you can't tell when they're wearing a mask, you can't tell if they're sticking their tongue out at you. And you can kind of see their eyes light up from a smile, but it's just not quite the, you know. I, but I look, at, I look for the eyes because I can, but here's what I do when I talk. I, 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 I'm going to take my mask, I'm going to smile, good morning, and then I'm going to put my mask, I'll wear a mask. I told you, I'll wear a mask. I'm not going to have the mask argument with you, amen. You don't want to wear one, that's fine. I'm going to wear, I wear a mask. I'm not wearing one now because you ain't within six feet of me. And even though I'm pretty loud and I preach and I spit pretty far, I think you guys are safe. But I wear a mask. But I still believe we, I still believe that one of the things we need to make sure we do as we're taking these precautions and doing this is make sure that we're still able to look one another and look at each other and look at each other in the face. Make eye contact. See the smile or maybe the absence of a smile and know that there's a need there. Amen? And so they gazed upon him and then they gave him something. I love it. Silver and gold have I none. Now that might, he's, he's, uh, look at us. Okay, great. And then, he, and then they go, we don't have any money. And I would love to know what goes through his mind, but he didn't, there was no pause there. He didn't go fast enough for it to process because he says, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Hallelujah. I heard the old story of a, uh, of a priest in the Catholic Church at the time when they were struggling with their theology and during the times of the pre-Reformation and all of that. And the church had grown and was spreading across Europe. And they were building great churches and cathedrals and becoming very prosperous. And I can't remember the name of the priest, and he was a Catholic priest who said this. The Pope made the statement before the, before the bishops and before the leaders, he made the statement, no longer does the church need to say, silver and gold, have we none? And the priest made the statement, 
Yes, but no longer can we say what we do have. We give you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. No, beloved, I would rather have the power of God in a church of any size, in any denomination, than all the money and all the gold and silver in the world. I would rather have a church that believe that Jesus can take the most broken, sinful man and put within his heart the ability to stand and walk before God. Amen. And so notice the third thing. The lame man, the Lord's man, but then notice the third thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to get happy this morning. Notice the lame man and the Lord's man, but now, now he's not a lame man anymore. Notice now he's the leaping man. I'm going to tell you, it's a, it's a good thing. You may not know it, but it's a good thing that I know that I don't have the knees I used to have, or I wouldn't be on this pulpit right now. Boy, if I tried to leap down off of this thing, and do, I, you'd have to pick me up off the floor from six feet away. I don't know how you'd do that. Amen. But I want you to notice the Bible says they reached down, they took him by the hand, verse 7, and he lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones gave, gave strength, received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and then walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. I mean, he didn't get, I, I can walk now. I guess I'll go to church. <laughs> no, man, he was, he could, he could do something he could never do before. And beloved, I want you to understand this this morning. When the power of God moves in your life and mine, he gives us the power to do something we've never been able to do before. And he gives us that power to do it immediately. And that is the power to stand. It is the power to walk before God. It is the power to leap. It is the power to have a joy that you didn't have before. Amen. Now, I've said before, not every preacher needs to be as loud as I am. Not every preacher needs to get excited. I've known some of the greatest preachers in the world. Never, never, never walk out behind the pulpit. Never lift their eyes off the paper. Amen. And, and, and you don't have to shout. You don't, but, I, but bless God, if you're a child of God, there ain't no excuse for being boring or half dead. We ought to get excited about what Jesus has done for us. And, you, and you're not, and it's not going to it, 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 it scare you. You see the preacher start doing this, you might get a little scared. Amen. But it ain't going to scare me if I see you doing it. Because I'm just going to start doing it. Well, if they're doing it, I guess that means looking at us. That's just, we just got, amen. Leaping. Leaping. I want to leap so bad right now. I just don't want, I just, amen. Beloved, there are days when I'm tempted to live and walk and feel like that old lame man. Because I forgot. And I forget. And you forget. We forget who Jesus is and what he's done for us. But then, then I just go back to passages like this. And I just remember. I just remember that God gave me the ability to stand and walk before him. When Jesus looked at me and called me to salvation, he not only said, my child, I forgive you. But he reached down. He took me by the He pulled me. He, he pulled me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. Amen. It's Jesus who did that. This man, three things about him, and I've already given it to you, but I'm going to give it just because it's a preacher's sermon, so I've got to give this to you. Number one, he was lifted. Number two, he leaped. Number three, he was led. He was lifted, he leaped, and then he was led. He didn't go into the temple alone. They didn't say, congratulations, now you can walk, do whatever you want. They went into the temple with him. He went with them. They went to church together. Amen. Congratulations, you can walk now. Congratulations, you're saved, you're a child of God. There's a church down the road you need to go check out. No, 
they went in together and leaping and praising God. And I love this, verse 9 and verse 10. Notice the testimony. They knew, all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that he was the one who used to sit for alms at the beautiful gate. So guess what? Apparently they did notice him. Apparently they noticed him every day sitting outside asking for alms, but now they notice something different about him. He was inside the church. He was inside the temple. He was walking. He was leaping. He was praising God. Amen. Beloved, the moment you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior, the moment I trusted him, the moment that he did that, our testimony changed. And there's people who look at us, there's people who, who look at our lives, and they know we're not the same that we used to be. Amen? And that's how it should be when grace comes into a man's life. And I wrote this in my notes. You want to know how, and I, never, I don't think I ever gave you the title of the message, is how can God make a lame man leap for joy? <laughs> well, here's the answer to that question. God can make a lame man leap for joy when, a lo when the Lord's servant takes a lame sinner, preaches Christ to him, and then lifts him up to find salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Beloved, you want I'm convinced that the reason our church is today, why we get so stale and why we get so, I don't know the word, why we forget, why we lose our ability to leap is because we're not bringing any new leapers into the church. Amen? I mean, it, it's, it'll, you'll get excited. You, you, you want to lose, you, so we've lost our excitement. You want to you know how to get it back? Check out that new convert. Check out that man who's been lame his whole life, and now he's just found out for the first time that he can walk before God. Amen? Stuart Hamblin, I've told you a story before, I'm going to tell it to you again because I was reading it in my devotions and keep coming across this story. I love it. Stuart Hamblin was the musician, one of the singers for years with Billy Graham Men Evangelist Association. I can't remember the song that he wrote. He wrote a couple of them, but they're real fun. I think it's, um, I think he wrote, I can't even walk without him holding my hand. I don't remember if that's, I don't remember that. But Stuart Hamblin uh, was saved. He was at a Billy Graham crusade. He heard Billy Graham preach. He, he fought it. He resisted it. And then, and then the conviction overtook him, and, and, and he tells the story of how he found the hotel Billy Graham was staying in, and he, and, he, and he cornered Billy Graham. This was back in the day when you could corner Billy Graham. Amen. And he said, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. I can't shake this. I need to know how to be saved. Billy Graham took him into his hotel room, shared the gospel with him, and led him to Christ. And, of course, Stuart Hamlin became, was a singer along with George Beverly Shea, but Stuart Hamlin became and. and, and and the story's told that, that, that Stuart Hamlin was, was invited out to eat, to eat with Bill, maybe a Graham or some of us. I can't remember how it, how it goes, but there's a group of Christian friends now. He's saved, and they go out to eat in a restaurant. And one of the men says, Stuart, why don't you pray? You're a new Christian. Why don't you pray and ask God to bless the meal? Stuart said, all right. And he slid out from behind the table, and he got down on one knee beside the table, and he raised his hand in the air and prayed in a loud voice, Father... Thank you for this food that you have provided. Bless our bodies. Thank you for the gift of salvation that I now know, and I pray for everybody who's yet to know it. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Scooted back into the seat in the restaurant, everybody's here, and the men he was with, and one of the men said, <laughs> one of the men said, and they were all kind of, you know, well, yeah. and he said, now, now, Stuart, you know God ain't deaf, right? <laughs> And Stuart said, yeah, and he ain't nervous neither, brother. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, I want to tell you, beloved, there's something about a church that recommits to looking for that man, that woman that's just so close to the gates of the church. They can't come inside because they don't know. They don't know what Jesus has done for them. And we get the privilege of showing them who he is and how he died for them and seeing that new Christian who comes in and gets on fire for God and the preacher's preaching and they're shouting amen when we forgot how. It only takes one. Amen. Okay, I got about three out of that one, but that's good. I mean, I've been in churches, you say amen, it'd scare the preacher. He wouldn't know what to do. Amen. I grew up in churches. You said amen, that's like saying sick him to a bulldog. I should say a yellow jacket, but that's it. Anyways, amen. I apologize, Lord. No, beloved, see, I, I, I get happy and then I get, I get stupid. Amen. No, beloved, I know what Jesus has done for me. And on my worst days, it's because I've forgotten. But I still have that joy and I still have that leap. And on my best days, you know, that I just, I just, I just, I can just, you can feel it. Amen? I mean, it doesn't matter what this world says to us. We know who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So God takes a lame man. It's the Lord's men come to a lame sinner and lift him into the presence of Jesus. We may not have money, we may not have food, but we have Jesus, and Jesus has everything that anybody needs to be able to walk before God. I can't tell you how many times, not just in this church, but in other churches, people call the church office and they're looking for help, and we take them, sometimes we're able to pay a bill for them, other times we take them food, but every time I deliver anything, I'm taking some food to a lady uh, tomorrow, Every time I deliver food, every time I take something, I meet anybody's need, I tell them, anytime they ask me, I tell them very clearly. I said, we, we're helping you with this. This is what we can do right now. Maybe we can do more later. I don't know what we can do. We're going to do everything we can. If you need help, let me know. But I want you to know there's somebody who wants to walk with you every day of your life, and he can meet your needs more than I ever can, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. I make sure that when I take anybody food, groceries, when I feed them physically, when I do anything to meet a physical need, I make sure they know that they have a Savior who satisfies their spiritual needs. Amen. And that's how God makes a lame man leap for joy. But Peter wasn't finished. And I'm going I'm to give us this quickly. See, that's just the miracle. That's just point one. Just, there's only two points to the sermon, so Hallelujah. But here's point number two. See, that was the miracle. Here's the message. This is the second thing this morning. Amen? And I'm going to give us this one kind of quickly. Yeah. Look at verse 12. It's only one sheet of paper. Amen. Verse 12. Peter saw it. He answered and said, why do you marvel at this? Now, we've read it. I'm not going to read it again. You can go back and read it. But I want to give you, I want to give you four things that, that Peter did in this message. This is important. Three, four things about his message. Number one, the first thing Peter does is he denies himself. He denies himself. Verse 12. Why do you look at us as though we by our own power of holiness have made this man to walk? Peter says, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Amen. It's not about, it's not about the preacher. It's not about a deacon. It's not about the church. It's not about a denomination. It's about Jesus. He denied himself. Number two, he presented Jesus. Look at verse 13. 
The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. The story's amazing. You know the story. Pilate tried, tried everything he could to get rid of him, but the religious leaders kept saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And Peter just calls him out and says, you want to know how this was done? Don't look at me. I didn't have anything to do with it. It's all about Jesus. You know who Jesus was? Jesus is the one that just however long ago, just a, less than a month ago, you guys were, or about a month ago, 40 days, you guys were, you guys were crying out, crucify him. He's the one that made it possible for this man to rise up. He denied himself. He presented Jesus. Number three, he presented their denial. Verse 14 and 15. You denied the Holy One and the just. And you desired a murderer to be granted unto you. Remember they cried out for Barabbas over Jesus. And you killed the Prince of Life whom God has raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. <laughs> I love that. I mean, what are you, you going to say when he says, you killed the Prince of Life whom God has raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. No, he, he's, he's dead. Uh, no, they're still looking for the body. It turned, it turned Rome upside down, turned Jerusalem upside down. They were trying to find the body. And, and great measures were put in place to try and prove that he wasn't really resurrected, that his body had just been stolen. And so when Peter says that he's risen from the dead, they can't argue with him. Because not only did they not have the body, but hundreds of people have seen him since he rose from the grave. Amen. And so he presented their denial, and then the last thing, he presented faith. And I want to close with this in verse 16 and it says and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and you know he's pointing to the lame man who's standing right there grinning like the Cheshire cat I promise you he wasn't going don't point at me you remember this lame man he's talking about me look that's all the leap you're going to get out of me this morning. Amen. There he, there he stands. There he, here he stands. Where was I? Verse 16. This man whom you see and know, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. That this man who before could not walk through the gates into this part of the temple where he now legally stands in the temple where he can as a man made whole. The man that you know is here because of his faith in the one that you rejected. Now, beloved, I, tell, I wish I had the power. I, 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 I pray, I wrestle with it. I was raised Baptist. That didn't have a lot to do with it. Maybe it has some to do with it. But I wish I had the power to walk up to somebody that was sick and just in, in the name of Jesus. And, and I believe God still heals. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And I think there are still people out there who have a supernatural gift of faith. It's listed in Corinthians, the gift of faith, the gift of healing. It's still in the Bible. Amen. And I wish I could explain why. And I have a lot of thousand different theological reasons, but none of them matter in this moment. All I know is that I may not have the ability to heal a man right now, but I can introduce him to the man who will one day heal him and everybody else who puts their faith in him forever so that I can say with an absolute certainty that while I may not be able to make a lame man walk right now physically, there's going to come a day in heaven when there will be no sickness, there will be no curse, there will be no deafness, there there will be no blindness. There will be no cancer. There will be no COVID. There will be nothing because we will be in the presence of the great physician healed and made well for the rest of eternity. Hallelujah. Amen.
I wish, I wish we didn't have the C word. I wish we didn't have to deal with that. There's two of them now. I wish we didn't, but, but by God's grace. Oh, there's a day coming. Some glad morning. When this life is over, I'm going to fly away. <laughs> I almost left. I was, amen. I got to close. Let me give you three things quickly. The lame man was healed when his faith joined with the faith of Peter and John. And that's always the way of salvation. It's never the work of one but many, particularly the faith of the one who's in need. There's always people out there they need, they, they're looking, they're searching, and they don't know what they're searching for, what they really need. Here's a man who thought he, he just needed alms. He wanted to be recognized. Maybe he wanted to walk. But oh, he was going to get so much more. Beloved, there are people out there, but they'll never know that unless those of us who know and have already experienced it are the ones to tell them. Let me tell you, let me tell you what God has done for me. What he's done in others, he can do for you. Amen? It is no secret what God can do. Oh, beloved, I feel like we got some churches and some Christians trying to keep it a secret. We need to stop that. Amen? The lame was healed by joining his faith, Peter's and John. Number two, the faith ultimately came from Jesus. Faith is only as good as the object we're putting our faith in. Hallelujah. Jesus didn't say, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I might give you rest. That's not what the Bible says. Amen. In case some of you don't know, and I see your mouths, <laughs> no, Jesus said, come unto me all ye that labor and, labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Bible says, call unto me and I will answer. I love the fact that when God the Father, God the Son, when they speak to us, they speak with certainty and assurance. This is what I am going to do. And so Peter and James' faith, it wasn't, it wasn't in themselves, or Peter and John's faith wasn't in themselves, it was in Jesus. The lame man's faith was in Jesus. Faith comes from Jesus. And then here's the third thing, and I close with this. The same faith. The same faith, the same faith from Acts chapter 3, 2,000 years ago, is the same faith that changes the world today. For there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so I'm praying for you and you pray for me and I'm praying for this church and I'm praying for your next pastor and I'm praying that more than ever, First Baptist Church of Mableton becomes a church that when people talk about this church, they say, oh, those people, that church, First Baptist Mableton, those people are crazy for Jesus. And then people hear that and go, well, I want to know what that's like. And they come and they find what we have. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads.